Welcome to the podcast, Dan Carity, if I'm being honest. I call it that because as an alcoholic in active addiction, I was anything but honest. I was a liar. But now in sobriety and in life, I am sharing my journey, honestly, even when it's ugly. My guests and I will discuss addiction and mental health, relationships, politics, and just life. And we will always give it to you straight. So here we go. Okay. We are back on the podcast, if I'm being honest. And I'm excited for what I'm going to talk about today because it is happening. It is happening. And what I'm talking about is my book which I'm really excited about, excited to finally put it out there. It's been out in the Netherlands and Belgium for a few weeks now. It's coming out in the U.S. in a few more weeks. Um, it's going really well. Obviously, the ego wants it to do well, and it is being well-received. And it's on the bestseller list, and they've ordered the second print run and all of that stuff, which is great. But when I say it is happening, what I mean by that is the connection it's making with people and the effect that it's having, having on some people. And I put, my, I put my an email address in the back of the book. It's actually the same email address that I use for the podcast in asking people to shoot me a message. If there's you know something I talk about that you like, that you don't like, that resonates with you, that you have an opinion on anything, I love to get feedback from people. So I put this email out there a while back with the podcast and said, please reach out to me. But I wrote the email in the book at the very end and said, hey, if there's, if there's anything that you think about that really hits you that you need to say anything, please do so. And I promise that I'll read each and every email and I will respond. And that's been happening without fail. Every morning I wake up, there's at least one or two, sometimes there's 10, but people, some having an opinion on the book, which is cool. Most having a reaction of, you know, that they see themselves, which is no surprise. Um, but that they see themselves in, in my story, something resonates with them, that they have a, a husband or a wife or another family member. Um, you know, just the effect that it's having on people and making them feel comfortable enough to tell me something incredibly personal. You know, because I get about as vulnerable as I can in this book. And I think that lets people know, hey, the door's open for you if you want to say something. So just a reminder, that email is dkpodcast at dancarity.com. dkpodcast at dancarity.com. But I'm loving what's happening there. I... I decided to start sharing my story thanks to people like Chris Heron, who I feel like I talk about on more podcasts than not now. His name comes up somehow, but the man just did so much for me in 
making me believe I would be okay, but then also inspiring me to want to share my story in hopes of helping other people. So the fact that that's happening, it feels good. It's awesome. I mean, that's what all of this has been about since the beginning. And I won't lie, as I said when I started this a couple minutes ago, the ego, yeah, wants things to to go well. It wants, you know, I want the book to be received well. I I want as many people as possible out there to buy the book and read it. But the fact that it's resonating and, and making a difference, um, you know, that makes it all worth it. So a lot of the emails, you know, they're, they're all different. But if I had to pinpoint one thing, most of them say something to the effect of, I see so much of myself in your story. You know, and that's what <laughs> I know me after years of thinking I was the only one going through what I was going through. And I felt like I was on an island all by myself and no one could possibly understand. I realized, man, there are so many other people out there that are just like me. And that's what the majority of these emails are. So this one that I received just a couple days ago said, Dear Dan, I read your book in three nights and just couldn't put it down. Thank you for being so honest, completely honest. There's so much you talk about that I can relate to, but I've never dared to say any of it out loud. I have two beautiful boys, ages six and nine, and I stare at them <clears throat> and I stare at them every night wondering if I'm a good mom for them. I think, I think I am, but I know that my drinking gets in the way of it. When you write in the beginning of the book and again later about the night of no return, it scares me as I know that feeling of just giving in and accepting that this is who I am. I want to be different and I want to be better. I think I can be, but then I can't help myself. I reach for a drink and I'm right back where I was. I'm so tired of being stuck like this and being disappointed in myself. Thank you for saying it for all of us. <clears throat> if you have any tips of what I can do first to stop this, please tell me. You know, if you can't hear that in there, I get, I get choked up when I read this because it's just a reminder of where I was two and a half years ago and what an awful place that was to be. And, and you really do feel like you have no way out. You just, you can't see it. <clears throat> and so, as I keep saying, sharing, that's the way out. Because if you, if you dare to say it, there's someone that's going to listen. There's someone who's going to get it. And there's someone who can share their experience right back and, and make you realize that there is a better way. I mean, I know that feeling of, you know, she's got two young, young kids. She stares at them and she just wonders, what the hell am I doing? That's the worst. So she talks about the part in the book... <clears throat> The night of no return, you know, that in the book it's broken up into two different parts. 
and it's it's part of how the book starts so that you know where I was at and then it returns near the end of the book <clears throat> but I'm going to read part of this from the book I had promised myself that I would drink less and I believed that I would follow through on it but of course there was also the assurance that I could handle a bit more even deserved a bit more and I shouldn't deprive myself I called room service ordered my usual grilled chicken salad and next I heard the words would you like anything to drink with that salad Mr. Carity I briefly paused and then I said two glasses of Pinot Noir please it was just so damn frustrating that I could set my mind to almost anything and accomplish it but not this thing from the depths of my gut, I knew I shouldn't have another drink. And the words, no, 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 traveled all the way up my chest and throat until I opened my mouth and said, yes. I paced the room and beat myself up for a few moments before reconciling. Hey, normally I would have ordered three. So this was an improvement, I told myself. And the sad and disappointed feeling instantly gave way to excitement. A literal rush of warmth and joy ran through my body at the mere thought of more wine. For years, with each night, the moment had come where I was on the threshold of crossing a line. To most people, the fact that I'd had a bottle and a half of wine at this point seems excessive. And yes, I definitely had a buzz on, but I was okay. I would place the room service tray outside the door, call it a night, and go to bed and I'd be fresh as a daisy in the morning. But that's not how I operated. The inner dialogue of, you've had enough, you said you would cut back, just call Natasha and go to bed, started to turn into more of an argument. The retort dripping with entitlement, you're fine, you're all alone, give yourself a break. Besides, you'll hit the gym in the morning. Come on, you're Dan Carity. you deserve it. I went down, popped my head into Dennis's bar, and got another glass to take to my room. I'm not sure who I thought I was fooling by switching between the bar and room service. I'm sure they had some level of contact and knew how much I was ordering. Then again, they probably didn't fucking care, but these were the games that I played. I went up, a fresh, full glass in hand, my glazed eyes glaring back at me in the elevator mirror. I wasn't happy with what I was looking at, but I was accepting. Walking down the long, winding hallway to the last room on the right, I kept saying, this is who you are, and it's okay. I made a decision. That took the pressure off. It gave me a sense of peace and comfort and a little joy. I was going to allow myself to drink without questioning it anymore. It would be okay. That was pivotal. I remember that night. <clears throat> Strangely, I remember it pretty clear as much as I had had to drink because it was so scary to accept that that's who I was. To say to myself, 
This is it, man. This is who you are, and it's okay. It's okay to give up almost everything to drink. Forget that I could possibly giving up, be giving up my, my wife and my kids, my job. Who knows what else it would have affected. But I was giving up feeling good. I was giving up the ability to be proud of myself. I was giving all of it up to drink. And I knew it. I knew that I was giving in. And it scared me. But what's, what's worse is that that feeling of fear instantly gave way to a feeling of excitement. I was no longer going to challenge myself. I was no longer going to put pressure on myself on a daily basis to cut back, to try to be better. I had fought that war for so long in my head, trying so hard to be better, at least drink less. Maybe not quit, but drink less. Make some progress. And I was waving the white flag and saying, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm just going to drink. And it felt good. It felt good to be giving up. Two and a half years later now that I sit here, like I, I can't even believe that that was possible, that I was there. But I was. I was in that place where I was willing to give it all up. There's that saying, you know, you give up everything for that one thing. I was giving up everything for that one thing and I was okay with it because it gave me, in my head, it gave me the okay to drink. And it, that felt good. I just felt so trapped every day. And to, to accept that I'm not going to lose on a daily, base, daily basis anymore. I'm not going to do this to myself. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'm just, I'm just going to drink. I mean, where, where would I have ended up if I kept going down that road? You know, but as most people who listen to this podcast, you know the story of the pandemic and everything that took all of that away from me and forced me into rehab and forced me to figure it out. And thank God I did. That woman who sent me that email and so many more of you who have sent me emails saying you see myself, I mean, you see yourself in me. I get it. So I remember that feeling like it was yesterday. That you, you really don't 
see your way out. You want it because you don't even want to drink anymore. You just don't know any other way. You don't know any other way to get through your day, to get through these feelings, to just to exist. You think you need it, but you don't. There is such a better way. I am only, I shouldn't say only, but I am only two and a half years sober. And I love, love my life. I love what I get to do every day. I love that I get to sit here in front of this microphone and talk to you. I love that I got to write that book. I love that I get to wake up and feel good physically, but also mentally, that I can wake up with a sense of pride every day of what kind of dad I am, what kind of husband I am, what kind of person I am. It's possible, no matter where you're at, it's possible. She asked for tips at the end of that email. I mean, number one, she, you already took the first step. You reached out. That's huge. Because that's something I, I wasn't willing to do forever. But reach out. The help is out there. People want to help you. Because they know what it's like. And you're not alone. So speak up. You know, whether it's to a family member or a friend or someone online or find a meeting. There's, there's a lot of help out there if you want it. And I promise you it's worth it. So everyone who's been reading the book, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being willing to send me a message about what you thought about it, what you thought about my story. I get a lot of interesting stuff. Some people uh, get a kick out of the personal and professional relationships I talk about in there. Um, you know, but most people really resonate, whether you're an alcoholic or not, whether you've had an addiction in your life or not, we've all had issues. So there's something anybody everyone can resonate with to some extent. So I'm glad my story's having an effect on people. I hope that continues moving forward. And I hope people keep sharing back to me so that we can continue the conversation and uh, just trying to get better every single day. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and do not hesitate to check out some of my past guests. If there's something you want to get off your chest or just some comments, suggestions to make, please email me at dkpodcast at dancarity.com. Have a great day.